Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Conversations with My Black Grandpa. I hope everyone had a very happy new year and that you were blessed during that time. Um, today's conversation, because I know it was a surprise, like I said in the last episode, is drumroll, please. Na-na-na. Healthy eating in the black community. Um, I really, really love today's conversation because it's something that granddaddy is incredibly passionate about and I hope you guys are just excited just as excited as I am to listen to it and I'll catch you guys on the other side peace hello everyone and welcome to the conversations with my Black Grandpa Podcast. Thank you so much for joining in with us today. And thank you to those who are joining us in the new chat that we have um, just to try out for today. Um, Today's topic is going to be on the eating habits of the Black community. You know, what our status is and um, some ways that we can progress. And so how are you today, Granddaddy? I'm doing just fine, uh, Brian. I appreciate this conversation. It's kind of down my line. I kind of like it. <laughs> yep. Granddaddy here is a self-educated, I believe, vegan. I'm not sure how you... Um, oh, it's, it's how different names for it. There's different names for it? <laughs> I'd say vegan just to kind of give a people idea. And um, he really devotes himself to, you know, a healthier lifestyle, not just for himself and his family, but he also takes the time to... Uh, educate the Black community on how their eating habits can be improved as well. Which leads me to my first question for today, which is, do you think healthy eating is crucial for African-American progress in America? Uh, Well, to answer your question succinctly, yes. And to give you um, reasoning around it, uh, is to say that we have, we spend a lot of time discussing our illnesses, our heart disease, our blood pressure, our diabetes, um, our arthritis, and oftentimes it's moving downward to young people so they don't have to get old to have these old age illnesses. We call these chronic illnesses because they don't have a, they just kind of go on and on and on. It has been said over and over again that what you, you are what you eat. However, we seem to ignore that little statement. And we think that if it tastes good, it's good for you. And so we go by flavor and and we find ourselves led by flavor so that highly processed food becomes our favorite foods. Fast food becomes our favorite food. And slow food becomes unpopular. I call slow food food that you have to fix. You have to take it and clean it up and wash it and do whatever you need to do to cook it. And it takes time to do this. And we like fast food many times. 
Well, that has become our preoccupation so that a lot of our attention is on dealing with our illnesses and getting our prescriptions from the doctor to kill the pain or to regulate the symptoms and never to eliminate the cause. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I, I would say that if we dealt with the causes of our health problem, we have so much less, so much more time to spend on dealing with other issues. I definitely see that. I also understand that a lot of our eating habits in terms of fast food, you know, soul food, as we like to call it, um, also dates back to slavery, where uh, we didn't really have access to a lot of the the first foods, you know, we had a lot of scraps, a lot of leftovers, stuff that we had to save. And I think like those habits that we have, which we developed also culturally on, again, soul food also kind of led to our eating habits becoming so unhealthy. You're correct. We think it's being reverent to our ancestors to eat what our ancestors ate. Well, at least at during the time we had, didn't have choices. Uh, during the time of slavery, we didn't have a lot of choices. But after we became somewhat freer, we could actually raise our own food. And like my mama had a garden, and any you know her mother had a garden, and so uh, we oftentimes used the garden to raise more than we ate so that we could take the extra to town to sell it to people who didn't have anything. So um, we could raise food. But in my day, slow food was the main food. You have somebody in the kitchen cooking. And that became the normal way. I come home from school and there's fried corn on the in the skillet and there's Bed, uh, cornbread baked in the oven and, and butter beans and ton of greens and all that has been prepared. So when I got home, we had food. Uh, so that became normal until around mid 65, I guess. And we started having the rise of McDonald's and, and churches and a bunch of other little fast food places, and I thought it was kind of cute for a while, but then it became the norm, and people started relying on that more so than to eat and cook at home. Mm-hmm. I also want to mention in the chat, feel free to uh, put in any questions that you may have for Granddaddy or I, if you have any, and um, some comments about what we are talking about. But yes, I definitely think that within America specifically, there's been, we kind of lost the idea of delayed gratification, especially when it comes to food, um, especially with fast food restaurants. And I also think that black people in America were just simply another group of people that were targeted by those larger fast food companies in order to gain money. You know, it was another market of people in which they could say, oh, these people, 
are now free from slavery and now we have another market another tar- another target audience to market to in terms of um our products and i think yeah we definitely were <clears throat> victims of that you brought up a real important point <laughs> and that's advertising mm-hmm. this fella named tom burrell he wrote a book he wrote a book called brainwashed he was an advertising executive and his contracts were to target the black community to get us to buy hamburgers and so a lot of ads were set up to make us feel good about buying hamburgers and other fast food places and of course it worked and we started wanting to have it our way you know there's a jingle to have it your way at burger king okay mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of other jingles that you know that we felt good about and we felt happy about going to these places made us feel like we were kind of modern up to date we used to like the word stobart and if you had a lunch at school that was homemade, then you are not up to par. But if you had a store-bought lunch, one that came out the store, then you are more high class. So people like high class. That's always so we so homemade. Now we used to have biscuits with sausage in it that you can make at home, but that was low class until McDonald's put a biscuit with a sausage in it. Now it's high class. Yep. I think you mentioned, um, I believe it was, well, I was going to mention about kind of like food that makes us happy and about how sometimes when we have food that we like, especially soul food, you know, food that feeds your soul, we kind of have like this, I guess dopamine rush, I think that's the Uh right way to call it when it comes to our food, instead of thinking critically about what's actually in it. Well, I would say we don't realize that we made meat to be almost the whole meal. And you could just about name the sides that go with it macaroni and cheese, string beans. Um, I'm talking about at home now. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. you know, church church cookings and all church uh, eating everywhere. String beans, macaroni and cheese. We have made our menu to be almost meat. Uh, and we make uh, the sides to be things that are almost always processed food like um, the string beans are oftentimes coming out of a can just dump it into a pot and um, and that's it i don't think anybody's gonna snap the snap beans <clears throat> and make them from scratch so it's coming out of a can most likely um and i think we have made our, our our diet so imbalanced so heavy in the meat 
Uh, we used to eat meat once in a while, maybe on weekends. But now we eat meat almost for the whole meal. And if you eat a vegetable, it might be some french fries if it's fast food. And french fries, it has a bad story to go with. A whole lot of pesticides used in the process of raising the potatoes. And uh, so I would say the first thing we have to think about is that we are overdoing the meat side of our diet. It should be something maybe you eat once a week, uh, two or three, once or twice a week. And the rest of the time, you should be eating vegetables and fruit, nuts and seeds and things like that. That'll give your body something to work with. That was actually my next question. Um, for anyone who maybe wants to change their eating habits, where, do, where else do you think they should start along with the meat, along with reducing their meat intake? Uh, what what we could do if mm-hmm. we want to change our eating habits. Start in the kitchen and see what's in there. <laughs> and what is not good for you, now I'm just being radical about this, okay? Mm-hmm. What's not good for you, take it out. Now, <clears throat> if you have people who protest that, then you have to develop your corner where your food is where you can manage what is in it, like a certain cabinet, a certain part of the refrigerator. Uh, You need to develop your section you can manage so that you can buy what is is, that you're going to eat. You're going to buy what you're going to eat. That is, if you're in charge of buying. Uh, So let's uh, suppose you have a cabinet that you can call your own. I would suggest that you get, think of seasonings now as part of your food. Um, I'll go by what I put in my cabinet. I have organic seasoning. I have Himalayan salt. That's the pink salt. Um, I get rid of, don't have no white table salt. You see, the white table salt is not whole salt. It got just the chemicals, uh, sodium hydro- uh, hydroxide or sodium chloride, right? sodium chloride. And so you want salt that has all the minerals that go with it. Himalayan salt, uh, o- o- organic black pepper. I use turmeric. I put turmeric in my seat in my cabinet and I put it in almost everything. Turmeric is good for fighting all kinds of inflammation in your body. Okay. Also, cayenne pepper is good for you too. Uh, That's the hot red pepper. Not hot sauce, but cayenne pepper. (laughs) Um, And I would say if if you're getting some other things in addition to put in your cabinet, I would say get some nuts. I use walnuts and I get dates, D-A-T-E-S, dates, uh, D-A-T-E-S. And I use those on a daily basis. Uh, I would get some uh, pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. Uh, These are good to add to salads and 
cereal and things like that. Uh, try to use organic, if you would, to try to stay as close, as far away from pesticides as you can. Um, I would say if you use oatmeal, try to get organic oatmeal. I use oatmeal and I use organic old-fashioned oatmeal that's not processed. Um, and I would say begin to build up your cabinet with your food that you're going to eat. Okay, uh, but I w- I'm going to stop you right there, Granddaddy, because okay. I think you're going to go on forever. Okay. <laughs> but those are very, very, very helpful tips. And I want to touch back on what I first asked you about um, how healthy eating is crucial to African-American progress in America. Because what I think, I don't think our problem is that we don't care about our health. Because obviously, like, if you're alive, you care about your health. But I think a really good point that you touched on was, like, when we do get sick, we want sh- we run straight to medicine or um, the doctor mm-hmm. instead of thinking about what the kind of foods that we intake. You think you could, you could go a little bit deeper on that about how I think we don't want to have our own accountability on things. We just want to kind of a quick fix on things. Well, the idea of going to the medical doctor is that they are trained to treat your symptoms. If you have uh, a pain, they give you something called a painkiller, and that's basically all you're going to get. Now, I had pain in my knee. I had pain in my shoulder, but I didn't get painkiller. In fact, when I went to have something done and and there was a pain, I said, I don't want a painkiller because I want to know when the pain leaves. If you got a painkiller, you don't know if it's there or not because you it's dead. You don't feel anything. But if I know I have a pain, then I know when it's gone, it's really gone. So when I had a pain in my knee, I started using what I was eating to help get rid of that pain. And then when my knee stopped hurting, I said, okay, the problem is solved. If you go to the doctor, he gives you painkiller. You will now use your knee like it's okay, but it's not okay because it's still got the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you don't want to have these camouflages, these things that look like they're solving a problem when they're not. Uh, I see. I see. So do you recommend um, any like food expert or somebody that you maybe follow in terms of food advice that you recommend to other people? Um, there's a fellow on the on YouTube named Dr. Lee. Um, Dr. Lee is an Asian, but he one person who I feel would give. He, he teaches you like like you like you in a classroom and teach you what to take and what for. Um, I don't have his first name, but his, uh, if you put in Dr. Lee, he'll most likely come up, uh, in YouTube. Um, Mm -hmm. now the guy who is the co-founder of Baskin Robin, Mm -hmm. there's a, a gentleman named, Robin, and uh, he and his son 
uh, have um, have come up with some they're called the food revolution you can put that in the internet called the food revolution and uh, so ocean robin is the son's name and um, they are giving seminars and summits and uh, extended sessions that are free for the asking and you can attend those by just simply going to the website and um, they'll send you when they're going to be on and all that um this fella here named patrick quillen right here patrick quillen he has this book called beating cancer with nutrition and i think he would be a good source for finding ways to make your body healthier. Um, this fella here, also, Jesse Cannon, the end of all disease. Now, what about that? Simple, little known, and proven cures for seven of the most dangerous diseases. Jesse Cannon. Uh, he would be a good uh, person to refer to. And once you get your name out there that you are interested in health, it seemed like they pass your name around. <laughs> and you begin to get all kinds of other people who want to tell you about health. Now, this is a book that was given away. Just all you have to do is just ask for it. <laughs> and it says, cured. 81 natural cures for cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and more. You would think everybody would know that this information is out there. But it appears that for some reason, people don't pay attention to it. <laughs> uh, it's not like it's not there. We are flooded with information now about how to eat healthy, how to be healthy, what shouldn't you should do and should not do. I can't tell you everything is correct, but I say a lot of it is. But we have to be looking for it. So the first change that happens is your mind. You have to want to think about health. You have to want to do what you need to do for health. Stop thinking about what tastes good. I said, don't let your tongue control your life. I said, tell your tongue to shut up. Be quiet. And let me tell you what to do. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Do we um, have a question? I see a question right here on the yeah. chat there. Um, Lindell B mentioned in the chat that you find too often that the black community tackles issues when the damage is done. How do you counter the momentum of bad eating habits before the damage is done? Not just an not just in an individual, but the black family as a whole. Okay. <clears throat> I did not realize this, but when I was at a church, I was, um, 
doing demonstrations on things that people could do. I did not think people paid attention to it. And that was a good little while ago, and folks are still talking about it. My point is this. If you want to make a change, first you have to be the one who's changing. And talk about what you do. People don't care a lot about just theory. They want to know, what do you do? What do you eat? That's what they ask me. Mm-hmm. I want to see what you eat. And then they start saying, I'm going to eat what you eat, <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> so you got to be you got to be out there already doing something in a certain way. And 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 don't worry, it, you can actually influence people when you don't even know it. If you are for real yourself doing what you need to do, all you got to do is just share what you do. Sometimes I would get a call from somebody saying, oh, what do you what do you think we can do, I could take for this? Or what do you think I need to do for that? They start thinking I would know the answer because <laughs> <laughs> because they figured I'm pretty close to it. And so I would say, in a family, be the example. Don't be a person who is on again, off again, on again, off again. If you want to make a change. You make a change yourself first. Now, I have to say, I didn't um, think that way all the time. When I was 40, I had a stroke. On my birthday, I was in intensive care. Before I had the stroke, I had two blood clots in my leg. Each one was close enough to my leg, I mean, to my arteries to be called death-threatening or it was life-threatening. I did not like the idea of being in that kind of condition, and I started looking for some ways to improve my health. And so I started changing what I ate. I started reducing my meat intake. I stopped eating pork. Then after a while, I stopped eating beef. And then after a while, I stopped eating meat, uh, chicken, anything that was an animal. I did change my thing from being vegan to once in a while I eat salmon now. Once in a while. Uh, And um, I make sure it is wild caught and not farm raised. Uh, There's a difference because wild caught uh, fish eat what fish are supposed to eat. Farm-raised fish eat what the farmer gives it, mostly corn. And so that's not what a fish is supposed to eat. And so you don't get the nutrients from that fish like you do from the one that's wild-caught. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Um, and that's, that's, that's true for other, uh, other things that you eat, like a cow is supposed to eat grass and not corn. And if you eat a cow that's there's a farm raised by um, feedlots where the, all the cow does is eat all day. They're eating corn. They're not eating grass. And your your cow is going to be a mostly sick cows. About 80% of the cows you eat are sick cows. They can't last longer than about 150 days on uh, corn. So they have to kill them before they fall over. Yeah, I mean, for me, 
Um, because my eating habits, I don't consider myself a vegan and I'm working on day by day improvements of my diet. And so for me, practicality is a lot for me. One of the people that I've started to follow is Dr. Sabi. He is, I believe like, he's like a natural herbalist or like he found a lot of natural plants that really help, um, improve the body and sickness naturally. And he has a business. He unfortunately has passed, but his family continues to um, push on his agenda and his mission of all natural ingredients and like medicine, um, not medicines, like tablets, vitamin tablets, powders and stuff like that. Tonics that you can just simply add to your water every day, especially if you don't like have all organic foods at arm's reach. Um, I found, I found those types of things to be a healthy transition for me into a better diet. Yeah. Dr. CB is a, a good source too. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mention his name. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I think the decision that you're going to look for things that help you be healthy is the best thing you can start with. Now, when your mind is set up to look for healthy things, you begin to read and go on the internet and look for uh on youtube and look for uh people who are giving you good information uh something that i thought was really good was when i uh got acquainted with i don't think i have that with me right now but it's called it's called uh the truth about cancer um and it's they usually make it like ttac the truth about cancer and it talks about all the stuff that you can do to prevent cancer now right here i i didn't tell you what i had right here <laughs> see right here i have in this i have two lemons two oranges and ginger tea mm -hmm. with some potassium supplement added to it and a little honey that's my drink right here <laughs> Good and I and I and I drink it pretty well every day. <laughs> uh, I was told if you drink a lemon on a daily basis, you can get rid of a lot of your problems. Wow, that's good. I'm gonna take note of that too for myself. But I think that is about all that we have for today. Again, thank you so much for listening in to the people in the chat and to the people who um, have logged in on our published podcast. But I hope everyone has a great, I believe, January. Yes, and I hope everybody has a great night. And we'll see you guys next time. Is that is that all? You have everything off your chest for today, Granddaddy? You think that's a good place to stop? <laughs> uh, I think a good place to stop is start with yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't look at what other people are doing. And if you go visiting folks, don't feel like you got to eat just because they put it out there. Tell them what you're doing so you can bring your own food if you need to. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. We'll see everyone next time. Bye. Take care. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's conversation. I hope you either learned something, remembered something, or 
will do something based off of what you heard. Um, next week's, I mean, next week's, <laughs> next month's topic will be a mixture of both Black History Month and Valentine's Day because it's February and we want to combine the two. And it will be about Black love and Black relationships and all of the above. And I can't wait to see you guys then. I hope you guys have a great rest of your month and I'll see you guys next time. Peace.